spanning the Valley of the Sun and all across the 48th state. This is the Gatos and Chad Show. Happy, happy, happy. I'm sorry, Susan, but I have to. I'm so happy Mark Tarbell's here. Yeah, I have true. to say okay. it now. That's, a, that's right. a, a Chad thing. All right, thanks. Welcome back, everybody. That's Susan Monday. I'm Barry Marks, and in for Gatos and Chad, and we're heading up towards New Year's Eve, and we thought, who better to bring in uh, than the Valley's Restaurateur, Mark Tarbell? You can see him on PBS on uh, Check, Please, and uh, pour, what is the other one, Mark? Yeah, Plate and Pour. Plate and Pour. Yes, we did that prior to Kivit. <laughs> yes, yes, it was lovely. 14 and, Emmys. And, of course, uh, Mark's uh, restaurants and and, uh, and the wine store over by 32nd Street in Camelback, yes. uh, the the uh, eponymous uh, uh, Tar Bells and the Tavern and the wine shop. And Mark, thanks for being here with us today. Thank you, Barry. Thank you, Susan. And so we now you made friends already. You came in, you gave Susan a <laughs> bottle of bubbly. That she's she's uh, she's head over Very heels. Happy. She's yeah. head over heels already. I, I have to keep taking that out of her hand. She's trying to open it. <laughs> well, thanks for the tip, Barry. I you thought actually... we were going to drink during the show. <laughs> well, I, I I'm not opposed to that. The FCC yeah. frowns on that here at uh, at, at KTAR. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, me, I only drink on days that end with. Why? So I'm very strict about that. That's well. That's good. It's good to limit yourself. That's good. So, Mark, we wanted to bring you in. I mean, New Year's Eve is coming up, and for a lot of people, it's almost their only time that they have something to drink, or, or it's the time they maybe do something kind of special. It's a, you break out that special bottle. Um, so, let me ask you. It, let, let's start with champagne, right, or yes. sparkling wine. Uh, it's a. It, it, if you, even if you don't drink it all during the year, a lot of people are going to have some sparkling wine yes. this week. So let, let's talk about top end and middle end and, and bottom end. What's maybe the thought of what's a good bottle to bring to someone's house if they've invited you over for a party or if you're doing it at your house? What are some thoughts? Well, I think the the great news about sparkling wine is that there's a lot of sparkling wine, not champagne, but made in the same method. It is very, very, very good. And, and California has certainly come up a lot in that way. But what's also improved is Prosecco. I think a lot of people have had it. Some of it's okay. Some of it can be a little on the sweet side or simple side, but there's uh, really, really beautifully made ones like J-O, J-E-I-O, uh, I think it is. Um, it's a really great Prosecco that is very affordable. Oh. Like, I think it's a low teens. Oh, and, wow. And so it drinks like a very good sparkling wine, even maybe a not great Chardonnay. <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that, but a lower uh, price champagne. And then in California... You know, you have great, great wines. Like, um, I really love what Domaine Carneros does. I love what Schramsberg does. I think they do a great job. And then there's another one, the, uh, Jenny, uh, Jenny Wagner, who's Chuck Wagner's from Camus. Oh. His daughter makes Emolo, M-E-S-E-M-M-O-L-O, Emolo, okay. sparkling wine. It is probably one of the best sparkling wines in Napa. Really amazing. Really? Amolo, yes, fantastic. And how much? How much does a bottle of that go that for? That is, you know, in the probably the twenty to twentyish range, okay. twenty to thirty. So that in champagne world, that's affordable. Yeah. Now champagnes are becoming very popular, very hard to get, and more expensive. So it's hard to find tremendous value there. It's even hard to find great champagne now. It's just like it's like so so hard to find. But you know, the, they call it yellow label Veuve Clicquot, which is actually an orange label, yeah. not yellow. Uh, the Widow Clicquot is is what it is. Great great wine, and then you know, there's a Others. I mean, Nicholas Fuite. Yeah. <laughs> Say time. that 10 times fast. Let me ask you about this because I know there's a big uh, trend with Prosecco, but I gravitate toward Cava and Cremants. Oh. Talk a little bit about those. Thank you. Yes. Well, uh, Cremant's really great. You know, it can be made everywhere, but it's famously made in Loire Valley uh, or in Burgundy. You know, so it can be made with a Chardonnay or a Pinot Gris grape or it can be made with a Chenin Blanc grape, but those are very good. So that's France, Loire Valley, sort of uh, Burgundy. They make some Cremants there. Uh, Cava is from Spain, of course, and is really stunning. And I should have mentioned that earlier. And the same uh, line as Prosecco, but probably higher quality. Uh, I like, I like yeah, Cava I, I would better. say 
you know, they're, they're made with higher integrity. They're made with more intention. They're not as bulk produced as most Prosecco. They're artisanal made. And there's really great uh, uh, cavas. And um, the last thing I will say is if you really want to go out on a dare, they're making great sparkling wine, champagne-style wine in England. I, oh. I saw something Neymar. on 60 Minutes yeah. about that. Really? Yes. And it really is incredible. Are the grapes from England, then? Yes, they are. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know... I mean, grapes for champagne like to be in uh, regions that have very, very hard time ripening, you know, so they're very tart. That makes a good champagne because through the secondary fermentation, they get a little richer and things. But, yeah. Mark Tarbell is joining us here on KTAR. Um, so, Mark, is it uh, you, you mentioned earlier, and I've heard this, that champagne and sparkling wines, they're, they're harder to find right now. Why is that? Is it just higher demand or is there some reason for that? Well, I think people are just waiting and maybe pre-celebrating the, the end of pandemic. I'm not really <laughs> sure, but I don't know. I, I saw a really push towards luxury and treating people, treating oneself well, you know, mm. through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And champagne mm-hmm. is one of those things that says I deserve it um, and or celebration or things like that. So I think the reason for it is that. Okay. Is it just, and it, there's only so much of it made. And there were some pretty bad years where there's frost and things that helps mm. with the demand. I right. have to be honest. I drink it. All the time. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't, it's not for a celebration. I, and I, I think that's what you're addressing, really, that people have gotten away from just drinking it when there's a special occasion. Yes, it was promoted for that in the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was, it's, it's sort of a pop and the fizz and the surprise. But frankly, champagne is one of the most, the easiest wines Very in versatile. the world to pair with food. Yeah. yeah. It is one of the easiest wines in the world to pair with food. From spicy to elegant French to Italian, really yeah. doesn't. Fried food. Fried food goes amazing with fried food. Chicken wings, amazing. It's incredible. I also think it's easy to make cocktails with it. Yes. I'm seeing a lot of that. Yes. I love a French 75. Barry and I were talking about that yesterday. You have just struck a chord with me. I love French. Yes, I love it. I, it's, uh, you know, that is from the Napoleonic times, you know, because of the big gun called the, the 75. Um, but it's uh, gin, uh, sparkling wine, a little bit of lemon juice. It's stunning. Mm. It, it really so is. Good. And easy to make. Oh, and so easy. Yeah. And you, you pour it in and you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. And, and delicious. So uh, for champagne now, we're sparkling wine. Is it still the flute or are we back to the, uh, the, the open? Well, we're not going to the big coupe, which okay. is the, you know, the um, wide bowl. It, it is really all moved all the wine geeks like me, I guess or using wine glasses. Wine glasses, yeah. yeah. And it's, that's the big thing now. It's funny. That's what I like to do now, just drink in a wine glass. Really? And, well, yeah. it is wine. Instead of a flute. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Because you get to actually smell it a little bit and enjoy yeah. it. And you, yeah. it's, it's a, it is. It's wine. It's yeah. a major trend. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do not like to drink it out of a solo cup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's where we... Uh, Susan, I thought we were together that's on everything. Right. But I will drink it pretty much out of anything. You will? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's not saying she won't do it out of the solo cup. She just prefers oh, not prefers to. Not yes. to. Yes. Yes. Well, right. if there's nothing else. All right. So let's talk a little bit about just food now for New Year's okay. Eve. If you're having a few people over, if you're doing something yourself, what are some kind of easy hors d'oeuvre appetizer type things we can do? Well, the the easiest thing to do is take things that are already out there and make something of it. You know, so um, I really like to take, you know, like a whipped... Um, you know, a whipped, you know, cream cheese. And then with that, you can do like 10 different things. You can chop chives into it, make it simple or, or any herbs or make it an herb dip. You can take uh, roasted res- red peppers or very high quality ones. So in a jar at a good place from a good store, chop those into it and make it a, a red pepper relish. Or, you know, you can put bits of manchego or, mm. you know, there's so many different things you can do with it. It's just mm. fun. You know, or pesto, you can put tapenade. Tapenade is basically an olive, black olive paste, or pesto, of course, with basil. You can make a basil dip. 
And I say only that because that is the medium. It keeps the texture right and it works. And you can put anything in it and make it look completely different. And to me, that that and when it's easy, fun, and enjoyable, then you That's win. That's the easy way to do it. Yeah, you win. I, I remember last, uh, I think we had John last year, and, and one thing you mentioned, and I'm going to do it this year, is a, a little, and there's so many different kinds of caviar now that are mm-hmm. that are really not, that expensive. I mean, they're made in the United States. It's a, they're farm, but that same kind of an effect from them. Um, and you were saying you do it on a, on a potato chip mm-hmm. and a potato chip with a little sour cream or creme fraiche. And I would do creme fraiche if you're going to be fancy, but yeah. sour cream works <laughs> just fine. Wow. But you know, the other thing about most people don't know about caviar is so much of it is produced farmed in many places in the world, including uh, Paraguay, Peru, United States, the Sac- uh, Sacramento Basin. Lots of high end caviar sent all over the world is from Sacramento Basin. That's incredible. Yes. Mark Tarbell is with us. Uh, he's the owner of uh, Tarbell's in the Tavern over at 32nd and Camelback. Can you hang on for a few yes, minutes? Yes, of course. We're going to get an update from Becky Lynn. We're going to come back, talk to you a little bit more about New Year's Eve, uh, but also we're going to ask you some uh, restaurant questions and the uh, minimum wage, how that affects people, all of that next. Stay with us. I've uh, got a news update with Becky Lynn. It's KTAR. Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. The Gatos and Chad Show, 2 till 6. All right, welcome back, everybody. Barry Marks and Susan Monday in for the boys. Uh, and the great Mark Tarbell with us today, talking about New Year's Eve and uh, some, some sparkling wine, champagne, <laughs> food. It's, it's my, I could do a whole show on this. It's caviar. fantastic. Got caviar. It's phenomenal. Susan's going to start to have some caviar. We just talked her. On the break, we talked her into <laughs> it. I don't know. She hasn't yeah. had caviar with this spark- I have not had it. All right, now we, have, now we have to get you some uh, some caviar. I'll figure yep. that out. Okay. That's, that's not going to be I'm more coming to crash your party. Yeah. <laughs> I generally know where it is. Me too. Now I know yeah. where the caviar is. It's, yeah, you're, <laughs> I'm going to Tarbell's first, and then yeah. I'm going to come and crash your party. Well, go to Tarbell's at 32nd and Camelback. It is it is absolutely the best. Thanks, and great. Everything they do is just incredibly well done. So, Mark, let me ask you, you. You've obviously been in the restaurant business for, what, coming up on 30 years here in the Valley. And I, I wanted to ask you about the minimum wage thing. We were talking yes, about yeah. this yesterday. Arizona passed a minimum wage law a few years ago that includes a cost of living increase every year now. Mm-hmm. And because inflation was so high in 2022, the increase of our minimum wage here in Arizona is going up a buck thirty, buck thirty five. It's going to be uh, $13.85 now is the minimum yes. wage. For tipped employees, it's $3 less, so $10.85. What does it do to a restaurant when, I'm assuming a lot of those front-line employees are, are minimum wage, um, what does it do to a restaurant to have that much of an increase all at once? Well, it's a complicated subject, and a very. I'm going to try to make it simple because there is no one answer that's right, because it affects our restaurant industry, if you will, spans from fast food to fast casual to family style to small mom and pops to, to you know, big chain restaurants and, and restaurants, you know, higher end restaurants like Tarbell's. So it's going to affect each of them differently. And when you're on the higher end scale, you know, with like Christopher's and Tarbell's and places like that, it, it's not that impactful because they're like, I, I assume everyone's paying more than minimum wage already yeah. to be competitive at that level. When you get to the mom and pops, I have uh, concerns for them more than just about minimum wage. They're usually week to week. It, they may look like they're having a great time, but I know that if you lift the curtain, there's a reason why nine out of 10 restaurants, independent restaurants fail. And most of it is just because it's a dream that someone wants to do. And this dream becomes the hardest and, and least paying job they've ever bought. Yeah. Um, but it's still a great lifestyle. So these kinds of things, you know, every the margins are so thin in our business, these kinds of things can affect. But it, what I would say to everybody is planning ahead, you just have to inch up your prices a little bit because right. there's no other way to do it. We, we aren't a business or industry 
flush with high margins. We're very narrow margins, so you have to kind of accommodate it, which kind of comes out in the form of inflation, you know, when you're pushing your prices up. But there's really no other way to do it because the money has to come from somewhere. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, the, good, the good news, I yeah. guess, is it's across the board. Every, yes, everybody has to deal with it. Everyone's going to be affected. Right. So did you do it gradually as the pandemic was coming to an end? Well, you know, for me, it's, again, different because yeah. I've always paid more than minimum wage ever since for 28 years. No, I mean years. raising your prices. Yes. I've always tr- watched it. For me, I know it's, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but we're in the commodities business. So we buy sugar, flour, you know, eggs. And all of that, if you've been to the grocery store, has yes. 4X, 10X, 2X. And so we have paid two times more, four times more, 10 times mm-hmm. more for everything. And when you're at the higher quality things like the local produce or really highly, finely selected beef, it's really, the, the inflation has been really extraordinary. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a different story. Mark Tarbell joining us here on, on KTR. Let's, let's get back to the more fun stuff. Yes. What okay. are some, what are some great wines, whether it be for New Year's Eve or, or otherwise? Let's, let's go to the Reds, uh, since mm-hmm. it's a little colder out and we get a few days of actually, uh, into the, into the cool weather here. Yes. What are some great Reds for people to try at a mid price level? But, you know, I, I think there's so many wine drinkers, and I and for a lot of them, they go to the grocery store, and which, by the way, these days can be okay. There's a lot of great wine yeah. at the grocery store. But what are just some names they should look for and maybe get something that's not crazy expensive, but it'll elevate their experience a little bit? That's a great question. Um, so what... You, grocery stores are really great for that. So for years, several years, I wrote an article for the Arizona Republic. My goal was to find eight to fifteen dollar wines, which I had never really had a lot of because I'm bougie. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, because you know I've been in the restaurant business, and right. that's just the way it is. But so I, I found it wonderful and fascinating, and I was also shocked. It's almost as if because the winemaking in the world today is so um, standardized and and so the technology is so good that you can kind of walk down the aisle, a red aisle of a grocery store, a good grocery store, and go, that one. And it probably is going to be just fine. You know, just for pick 15 one, bucks. really. Really? Yes. So, but in particular, um, I wish, you know, the, the Penfolds wines from Australia, the lower end ones for them are, are extraordinarily good. Um, you know, the Mayomis of the world, they're probably a little bit more, but, you know, and they're really good for Pinot. Um, you know, there's just, just a bunch. Yeah. I was really surprised because I came from a state that doesn't sell wine in grocery stores. And one night I wanted to get wine and I, I was in fries and I thought, well, I'll check it out. And I was really pleasantly surprised by the offerings. Yes. I was. Yeah. Yeah. And fries is they're a major retailer. They have great and they have good prices. Actually. They have very good prices. Yeah. And um, they even have sort of a, a VIP room. At they the do. One on Tatum and Shea. They have one. That's and, the one I go to, as a okay. matter of fact. Yeah. And the they pe- have great wine in there. People can go over to your store, though, yes. the wine shop there at 32nd and Camelback. And you have stuff at all price levels, we right? We do. We have stuff from their low teens to right up to, you know, thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and the amazing thing there, and I'll, and I'll tell you, even as someone who likes wine, and I, I, I know enough about wine to be dangerous, but I really don't know anything, you go in there and ask a question, and everybody in oh, there you've got to have people who are informed. They know every yeah. wine. They've tasted yeah. stuff. They, they really can get you. And you don't have to say, you don't have to be worried about it. Just say, I want to spend $20, or yes. I want to spend 25 whatever it is. And we and, do it. And they'll guide you to it. Absolutely. And they're, and they're not, I was in your place the other day, and, um, and I was I was looking for a particular bottle of wine, and it was more pricey. And they'd stop me and said, "I want you to try this. This is great." And it was like thirty dollars. Yes, and and we they, do they, that they, all they the time. We downsell down all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, crazy. and the other thing is, you can join our little member club member thing, yeah. get thirty percent off, and that beats Costco in pricing. Not that we're in the price war with them, but we are. No, okay. um, <laughs> but more, it's about service and serving our community. Right. The other thing is, we're the ones that go out and find the wines that are, you know, ten to twenty dollars that no one else knows about. Yes, yeah, so I, I always like that better. That's 
that's what we do. Yeah. We're, yeah. We don't sell the, you know, the yellowtails, which are fine, you know, the, which you can find anywhere. But we find the wines that no mm-hmm. one's find yet. We make them very popular. Is, that's what we try to do. But we also get you value. So our, our $15 bottle, our goal is it's a $45 taste. Mm-hmm. And that's our goal. Mm-hmm. It yeah. may not be from California, but it may be from Spain. It may be from anywhere. But yeah. it's really, really good. And do you try to educate your customers about vintage? Because I find that most people don't have a clue about vintage. They, they, don't. they, they hook onto a wine and they buy it year after year, even if the vintage is not good. People in general are attached to brands and labels you know, and, and wine and everything in life, really. But so, but vintage is less and less. It matters less in places like California, where the climate is very, very even. It matters a lot in Champagne, which is something you love, because there are years where it's just everything freezes and there's no wine. Mm-hmm. You know, and if it's a colder climate, a harsher climate, vintage matters. Otherwise, technology has ironed out a lot of the concerns about very great variation right. in vintages. Mm-hmm. So, in the seventies in Bordeaux. 70 was an epic year. 75 was a 71's undrinkable. They just, it was it's <laughs> literally undrinkable. Mm-hmm. Wow. That doesn't happen anymore in Bordeaux. There are wines that are a little better and maybe a little bit less better, but they don't have any of those tank years anymore. Hey, we talked. M- nope, Mark Tarbell's with us. We got to take a break. Becky Lynn's going to come over here and hit me over the head with a pan. <laughs> uh, th- Mark, as always, thank you for coming in. I uh, really do appreciate that. You thank can, you very much. You, you, you can check out uh, Tarbell's at tarbells.com and over at 32nd Street and Camelback. Wander in there, ask a question about wine, go home with a great bottle. Mark, thank you very thank much. You. Thank you, Barry. Thank you, Susan. All right, thank Becky you. Lynn standing by in the KTR News Center. On the other side, uh, uh, legislator uh, John Kavanaugh is going to join us about a new bill he has uh, for our schools. It could be controversial. We'll talk about it next. It's KTAR. Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. The Gatos and Chad Show, afternoons. All right, welcome back. I'm Barry Markson. Susan Monday, we're in for Gatos and Chad. Thanks for joining us here on KTAR. Boy, that was fun. Mark uh, Mark Tarbell yeah. was here uh, talking about New Year's Eve. And, um, boy, any uh, any guest that brings us uh, champagne and wine, Susan, they're they're okay in my book. Yeah, That's all right. absolutely. Becky Lynn's looking at it. She's not, she's not happy. Are you going to share? She's not happy oh. with me. Because <laughs> she brought us cookies. Uh, That's right. Hey, yeah, you deserve to share. That's true. That's true. I'll bring you an iced tea tomorrow, Becky Lynn. I'll count on that. All right. So to, uh, joining us right now, though, is Representative, state representative, uh, excuse me, state senator, senator state senator elect uh, John Kavanaugh. He goes back and forth. Is with us and uh, Senator elect Kavanaugh. Welcome to KTAR. Well, thank you for having me on, and happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks to you for too. being available, sir. Can you talk to us about Senate Bill One Hundred coming up in the next legislative sex- session? Yes, yeah, sure. Um, what it basically says is, uh, and it applies to just to, to K twelve schools, right? That. Um, that a uh, before a school staff member or teacher can call a student by a pronoun that doesn't align with the student's biological gender or a first name uh, or non-derivative nickname, they have to have the permission of parents. And in situations where parents have given permission, the uh, school employees, if they have any kind of religious or moral problem with doing that, can't be forced to uh, to use those pronouns. All right. Well, I want to get back to that. But let me ask you this. Uh, did this come about for a particular reason? Was some of these things happening in Arizona schools and that's why it was brought to the forefront? 
They're happening in schools. Uh, I'm not sure if there's been any Arizona cases. Uh, just recently, the Durham, North Carolina school district, one of the largest in North Carolina, made it a policy that uh, that if students want to be called by, by one of the, a different pronoun, that uh, parental permission is not needed and that uh, it's a violation for employees not to honor their request. Uh, it's hard to say uh, how frequent it is because if schools aren't notifying parents, then it's, it's staying in the school, so you really don't know. But I read a lot of newspapers every day, and, and over the last year, I've seen articles here and there. So it's kind of spreading, so I think we need to be have a policy in place if that's what the legislature so deems. State Senator-elect uh, John Cavanaugh joining us here on KTAR. Uh, so, uh, John, I'm trying to understand. It, it sounds like it's a solution in search of a problem. You're not aware of any incident where this is uh, occurring in Arizona. There aren't complaints in Arizona from teachers or parents or students. Um, why do this? I mean, if a, if a kid is 14 or 15 years old and he's in school and he says, I want to be called, a, I want to be called, a, you know, a, a Beth instead of Bill, uh, and, and the teacher says, okay, as long as the kid's learning and he's not disruptive, why do we care? Well, first of all, it, it, the largest district in North Carolina just made this their policy. So this is occurring, and it probably oh, I, I'm sorry, was it, I, I want to make sure I'm being clear. Is it occurring in Arizona? That was my question. I am not aware. It okay. could be. So it's, but, it's, a, it's but, a solution in search of a problem in Arizona. That's not so, true. Well, well, well <laughs> one person's solution in search of a problem is somebody else's proactive attempt to stop something which okay. is bad. So let's get back, to, let's get back to my, ask, yeah, yeah. my actual question. Why is it bad if a kid is, if a boy is 14 years old and says, I want to be called Beth instead of Bill, he's not disrupting the class, he's not insulting the teacher, why is that a problem? My bill does not disallow that as long as the parent consents. So why do you object to parental consent? Why do I need parental consent? If, if What if my son, uh, I, I named my kid uh, uh, Bill and he wants to be called Bobby. Do, do I have to get consent for that too? Uh, no, that's a derivative pronoun. My so, name, my bill would not allow that. But if you named your, your son John and he wants to be called Jane, then the parental permission would be required. But why? Why is that an issue? What, what if my kid is named Bill well, and he wants okay. to be called Pat and that can be a boy or this a girl's is, name? This is about protecting children who may need care. Uh, if you go to the American Psychiatric Association's DSM-5, their Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, where they have a list of their disorders and descriptions, uh, one of them is called gender dysphoria. And it is a situation where there is psychological unease and stress, sometimes suicidal, uh, over this disparity between biological gender and the psychological gender. It is a recognized disorder in some students. Does your bill and, take it? Does your bill take into account whether informing the parents that the child is is asking for this may increase or decrease the suicidal tendencies of that child? Does well, your does your does I, your I bill? No, I'm sorry. One one other question. Does your bill uh, require that the that the school psychologist get involved before? informing the parents no uh let me let me answer one question at a time it's kind of hard to do shotguns uh these students have a psychological problem and the parents have a right to know about this problem school should not be in the business of keeping parents in the dark when their children have recognized diagnosed psychological problems none, none of this these is recognized children, diagnosed problems uh, this these, is this is a kid who says yeah, i want to be DSM called by a different five. name 
No, you're no. John. John, you're not John. You're not a doctor. You're not a psychologist or a doctor. You're reading something at a DSM five. This is that- about transgender students. Everybody but you <laughs> appears to realize that these are students who identify. If a male says he wants to be called she, there is a gender issue there. Don't you see that? It, it, this is not involving anybody having surgery. It doesn't involve anything else. No, I'm, I'm asking you. Kidding. All right. Let, let me so ask you one other question. Parents in the dark, those kids, the parents need to know so they can deal with it. Maybe they get psychological care for the child. Maybe there is psychological care and the child psychologist or psychiatrist is saying don't feed the fantasy by using the name. The school could be going against the treatment. I have no problem with this pronoun being used, but don't keep parents in the dark. Let, don't hide them when they want to know what's wrong with their children and get help for their children. Let me ask That's you a question, Senator-elect Kavanaugh. Are, mm-hmm. Is the teachers' union supportive of this? I mean, have you rolled it out to them? I don't know. So I, I, I don't need to get permission from the teachers. Yeah. John, John, I, I would think parents support this because they don't want to right. be kept in the dark if their children have psychological problems. Yeah. Why do you want to keep the parents in the dark? Well, that's not what she's asking. But, but let me ask you this. Have you, have you spoken? No, 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 Senator, I'm asking you a question. Why do you, you, you want to keep the parents in the dark? I don't want to keep the parents in the dark. I think I think parents should be informed. Why do you object to my bill? I don't object to your bill. I'm asking you questions about it. Oh, okay. Have you have okay. you spoken with any psychologist? or psychological associations about the effects of your bill? No. Have you spoken with any I teachers, that, organizations? I think that can be done by the students, psychologists, yeah. psychiatrists, have, who deals with it case-by-case basis. Have you spoken with any teachers, teachers associations, teacher groups about the effects of your bill? I have just dropped the bill, and there'll be ample opportunity for hearings. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than other than reading a story about something happened in North Carolina, have you done I've any read many stories? Have you done any I've, other? I've read many stories. Have you done any other any other uh, interviews or discussion with professionals who deal with children who are going through these issues about the best way to handle it? As a parent of two children, grown albeit, I know that I would be irate. If my children, my children, one of my children was identifying as a different gender, was perhaps stressed by it, maybe even suicidal, and the school was keeping me purposely blind so I couldn't get treatment for my child. I I think every parent listening agrees with me. I I absolutely agree with everything you just said, but your bill doesn't say that. Your bill doesn't talk about stress. Your bill doesn't talk about any of those things. Senator-elect John Kavanaugh, thank you for taking a few minutes with us on KTAR. We appreciate you coming on and talking about your new bill. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right. Short break. On the other side, we're going to talk about noise adverse. Uh, are you somebody who doesn't like noise? Like me talking, for example, right now. Are you somebody who doesn't like noise? We're going to talk about it on the other side right after this update from Becky Lynn of the KTR News Center. Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. The Gatos and Chad Show. All right. Susan Monday, Barry Markson, back with you. Thanks for joining us here on the big program. And uh, Susan, you you found this. This is interesting. Uh, It's out of California. There's there's so much noise there. Uh, They're actually passing laws about it, but it's bothering people. There's so much noise. There's so much noise everywhere, really, Barry. Honestly, and in California, and I'm and I'm a noise adverse person. Like I sleep with a sound machine. I do, and I sleep with a pillow over my head. There's like, and I like to keep my windows open, right? Yeah. And I'm, I, you know, I just moved to Arizona. I'm hearing, you know, cars with uh, no mufflers on, motorcycles revving up, and it disturbs my sleep. Oh wow! And not just my sleep, not just my. It's really something that 
um, kind of stresses me out, actually. And California is taking, they've passed two laws this year aimed at quieting the environment. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Like one is uh, for cars. If your car makes too much noise, they're not going to register it anymore, and it can be found illegal to do that. Um, and they're also bringing in noise detecting uh, equipment, I guess, to figure out where there's areas where there's a bunch of noise. And you could actually get an automatic ticket for that. Wouldn't you just love to uh, come home and see that in the mail, and you weren't even aware of it? That would. So you're saying you just drive by the noise detector, and they give you yes, a ticket? They really? Give you a ticket. This is good old, <laughs> good old California. Wow. Yeah. And they could figure out which car was causing the noise that's yeah, a, that's I incredible they i guess they, they can they actually say there's studies now that say the noise increase it actually the noise increases the risk of heart disease by eight yeah. percent diabetes by six percent how could that be is it the stress how yes could, it causes me wow. anxiety it, yes it really does that's they said uh, there's a study that was done in europe that said noise exposure causes about twelve thousand premature deaths a year and forty eight thousand cases of heart disease every single year tell just in story, europe tell your story about the dog your dog freaked out about something <laughs> <laughs> and and if, if you knew what was going on inside yeah. of his body. Yeah, we had a, uh, so on Christmas, my, my neighbors had people over on Christmas night. They were they were just setting off some fireworks on the street out in front of the house, which is normally fine. And and, um, and I'd call them M80s. That was the thing when I was a kid. I don't know what they are now. Uh, it was loud. It woke us up. I mean, it woke me up. And um, fortunately, he's my friend, so I didn't uh, get on him too much. Uh, but he set off, I don't know, it was three or four of them. And and by the third one, all of a sudden, my dog, my big 75-pound uh, golden doodle, he's he does not come on our bed. He was coming up onto the bed. and I and we had, So what I, do you think he was feeling oh, that he, he did was, that? He was terrified by the fireworks. He was shaking. Like, I went over and hugged him. I was like, what's going on? He's he's literally shivering and shaking. So you're right. I mean, it definitely, now that he's a dog, obviously, but it definitely has an effect on people. Um, and I don't know, you know, I agree with you. When the cars go by, they're just, they're making the noise on purpose. Like, it's a, mm-hmm. they've made their cars noisier because they like how it sounds. Mm-hmm. Eh. I don't, you know, that's not, maybe we should stop that. That's a there, tough there, thing. There are so few quiet places anymore in yeah. the world, and um, they've done studies on that. And you know what is really, you know, when you're out hiking in a in a really rural spot, and then you hear helicopters and planes overhead, like there's something that should be like, should be like a no-fly zone, honestly. That's the way I personally feel. It's pretty amazing. So they say in California that cars are supposed to operate uh, at about 95 decibels. That's a little louder than a leaf blower or a lawnmower. And I consider those those be pretty loud. And a lot of places have banned those those electric leaf blowers. Yeah, is that yeah, right? They have. Oh. On the East Coast. Yes. I just bought one. Well, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> yes, on the East Coast, there's, to get rid of those? there are places that have banned them because they're so loud. That's incredible. Like, banned them totally. Wow. All right, that's Susan Monday. I'm Barry Marks. And one hour left of the big program, sitting in for Gatos and Chad today. Becky Lynn standing by. We're going to have 15 minutes of commercial-free news. It's the KTR News Expansion. That's coming up in just a moment. Stay with us. And then when we get back, uh, coming up right after the news, or a little after, uh, Congressman Ruben Gallego is going to join us and talk about the Southwest mess. So mm-hmm. stay with us. It's KTAR.